Hello, photographers, creatives, and everyone else listening, and welcome to the latest episode of the Dan Kennedy Podcast, hosted by me, Dan Kennedy. Today on the show, we have brilliant photographer Max Oppenheim. Max studied painting initially and then went on to produce large-scale portrait commissions before finally moving into photography. These days he shoots still life and fashion, he designs his own sets and he's based in his own studio in East London. I was booked to do a sportswear shoot on location in Manchester. We arrived at the location, which was a gym, and I was struck by how amazing this gym was. It was impeccably designed with these beautiful industrial spaces. The boxing section of the gym was like something out of a film set. I did some inquiring and it turned out that it was actually owned by photographer Max Oppenheim, nonetheless, who is also responsible for the amazing industrial design in the inside. I was already aware of Max's epic sports fashion shots as I'd seen a couple of the ad campaigns for Block Gym around and and I'd been struck by the imagery and thought to myself, I wonder who did that. So I reached out, contacted Max as I was really keen to have him on the podcast. I wanted to hear about how a successful painter becomes a photographer and then becomes the founder of a gym. If any of you have heard my podcast with John Wright, you'll know I'm super interested in photographers who have several strings to their bow. So I really hope you enjoy this wide-ranging chat with the fantastic photographer Max Oppenheim. Max, welcome to the show. Hi Dan, how are you? I'm very good. It's great to have you on. I am in the upstairs back bedroom in our barn in Norfolk under quarantine. We're recording this on the 14th of April, so we're kind of in the middle of lockdown and uh, times are somewhat surreal. Nevertheless, I still managed to uh, contact you a few times and say, oh, is it possible to change the date? So so you'll have to forgive me there. Absolutely zero excuse for that. But it's great to finally have you on the show. And um, we don't know each other um, at all, really. Um, I did a a shoot, um, a sportswear shoot at uh, an amazing gym called Block, uh, which is in Manchester. And you and I met briefly there, and that's in fact your gym. That's one of a one of a chain of um, of gyms that you now own and run, as well as deal with the uh, the imagery and the creative for. And maybe we can get into that um, much later. But um, I was very interested to um, to learn more about you and to learn about your your story and and, and um, how you you know became the epic sort of advertising still life photographer that you've become. And I'm, I'm also really interested in the move into you know, being a business owner as well and hearing about, um, uh, hearing about the sport element um, and the gym element side of things. So, but perhaps we could start with um, you as a painter, because when we spoke before we started recording um, a couple of weeks ago, you let me know that you'd actually started from a painting background. So, um, so where was that? And, 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 and when did you become a painter? Well, I, I've, I started drawing when I was about 12 and just became obsessed with painting and drawing. And we were, I was lucky enough to have a really inspirational art teacher who would take us to exhibitions in London. We'd, you got us very interested in post-impressionism and impressionism and the principles of, um, of sort of drawing from life and how to, how to break down what was in front of you in a, in a very um, objective manner. And that was really what I wanted to be until I was about 22. I went to college, did graphic design, specializing in illustration, got very into sort of large scale paintings. I kind of wanted to be Lucian Freud or Francis Bacon, <laughs> which was a, yeah, um, a, a very ambitious, but a, a good thing to aim towards. And yeah, I, that was my thing really, I guess, until my early twenties when I started to move more into photography. 
which was actually a commercial decision because I found that when I left college and and started trying to be a painter and get port get portrait commissions, it was very hard. And it was actually my mum who used to be um, quite a well-known model back in the 70s and 80s. Um, she was her sort of heyday. She said, well, look, you know, you can still paint, but have you ever considered photography? Because it's a really great profession and you obviously love photography. And, and I had been doing a fair bit of that as well as the painting. So that was the point at which I changed from painting to photography. But I'd like to think that I took all of the knowledge that I gained from being sort of quite an obsessive painter and took that into my photographic style and my treatment of subjects from there on. Did you grow up in London? No, I grew up in, uh, in, in Cheshire in the northwest of England. And I sort of stayed in the north until I was, I think, 23, 24, which is when I moved to London, having assisted a very good photographer called John Hamer in, he was based in Manchester, but I managed to get a job as full-time assistant to an advertising photographer called Kelvin Murray, who you may yes, or may not know. I, I, I know of Kelvin, actually. He lives near me, yeah, and he's married to Julia Fullerton-Batten, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. So I was, you know, after applying for quite a few jobs, Kelvin kind of gave me a shot, and I was just thrown in the deep end, you know, working for him, which was great. And uh, predominantly, he was shooting still life at the time, so my life consisted of loading and unloading five, four dark slides, making notes, being very scared most of the time of making mistakes because it was so kind of, it was such yeah. a technical process uh, and such an expensive process as well. There was so much depending on you as an assistant then to get the technical side of things right, mainly with, you know, the, the handling of the film that it, it rapidly sort of became, you know, a, a, my new obsession was to be as good as I could be in this field. And learn how to light and, and and I was very lucky he was very generous with me in terms of the usage of the studio so I was able to go in on the weekends and do my still life tests and just kind of really have the time to learn which um which is something I feel that a lot of a lot of assistants don't necessarily get now is that ability to be able to really focus their skills because a lot of assistants don't really have the opportunity to work full time for for photographers anymore which is you know, an advantage because they can get such a broad experience working with uh, with all kinds of people. But equally, I do feel very lucky to have had that opportunity, and, and I'll always be grateful to Kelvin for giving me that because I didn't have really have any sort of photographic portfolio at the time. He, I only had a painting portfolio, so it was quite broad minded of him to to sort of um, go for me on that basis. Fantastic, yeah, that's um, really interesting, and in fact, it made me think that you know less and less photographers have their own studios, and and therefore by default, I guess, photographers are are using assistants less on a full time basis, and um, that's quite amazing that you that you were able to. Well, it's amazing of him, really, as you say, to uh, to for you to rock up with a painting portfolio, and then um, him to him to give you a chance, and. Um, just on the on the double dark slides and and loading film backs and stuff like that i mean as you say just a uh, so much knowledge needed and one slip of the light switch and uh, everything goes and feels in some ways that we're I, I i know from a digital point of view we could be uh you know have a power cut and a hard drive ruptures i suppose it could be classed as being similar but yeah, I don't know. I agree with you in some ways. There's the sort of magic dust element of film and chemicals and, and all of that. And it just needed the planets to be in alignment slightly more, maybe, didn't it, for it to sort of work out, you know? Definitely. I, I just feel really lucky to have had that experience of working at that level, you know, at that time and being in that transition period where we went from 
sort of film to scanning to re to retouching scan files to then shooting digitally it was just a I just feel that knowledge was is somehow so valuable. Yeah. So painting was definitely sort of on the back foot at that time. Then was it? It, it was. I mean, it, it's strange because I got I got to the point where I was becoming, you know, reasonably good, and then I just sort of flipped it into the um, into all my photographic tests. So I'd use the same kind of principles of framing and structure and color, and, and I kind of transposed them into the still life work I was doing. But and, I, and I've been saying for the last twenty years, oh, I've got to get back into painting, and I've never quite quite done it although i have started drawing again during lockdown oh how's that been going it's all right yeah i mean it's um it it's just kind of quite it, it just takes a bit of time but to get into mm. the flow again but i think it will take a while to feel confident with that skill again and also you know that this it's difficult because there's so many other things you can be doing which seem so much more relevant you know right here and now i think that it's uh it's a difficult one to get back into once you let it go. Are you doing charcoal mainly, or I, I just I just use a I just use a pencil and just do pencil sketches mainly from photographs, mainly portraits and figures. So yeah, but as soon as I've got something worth showing, I'll send it over to you. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, my dad has taken up painting at the age of seventy-eight. He's eighty-three now, wow. and he's really really come on. It's quite impressive to see him uh, uh, his. Um, see his talents improve with a, a bit of time and dedication so yeah yeah it's, it's impressive so after that then after you left kelvin and you you presumably went out on your own and started uh, getting your own photographic commissions in your own right did you yeah that's right so i i was i i started entering the um association for photographers assistance awards and i managed to do quite well in them two years on the run and got the attention of a couple of agents and I ended up being taken on by the same agent as Kelvin's, Joe Talbot and Sue Young, which he was actually quite supportive of. Which was again, he? I wow. Was, yeah, a, remote, that's yeah. super impressive, isn't it? Yeah, really, really, yeah, really, really impressive. And again, it's something I didn't, I, I wasn't entirely sure about, but when he said, that's okay, it made me think, fine, that's a good decision. And in reality, I mean, when I initially started, it was, um, I think it was Abbott Mead Vickers who gave me my first job. Yeah, it was Abbott Mead Vickers and it was uh, some product shots for Braun. So they were quite complex kind of um, layered still lives of um, different, different products. Right. And um, yeah, you know, it was, um, I, I, at the time I literally didn't even have a printed portfolio. I had a box of, trans of final transparencies that I, sent, that I was sending out because I didn't have my book finished and they gave me, gave me a shot on the basis of that and wow. um yeah it was it was really I, I think I was again I do feel very lucky to have had that sort of um bridge into it through full-time assisting and the contacts that that gave me and then as time went on I sort of gradually started to get more and more work and you know got in in the end I got a studio of my own in Bermondsey which I shared with a couple of other photographers uh, Phil Sills and Jem Grishotti right. who had um a really cool sort of top floor um, warehouse space and that's when I started to really kind of stop assisting completely and um and 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 really go for it in my own right fantastic and then um, yeah. I mean do you think um if you were to do the similar thing now and um, not that you'd have a box of transparencies but just try, trying to get your first break without a full portfolio now do you think that would happen in like today's climate I just think the climate we're in now is even uh, 
I think at the time when I started, there was a certain level of, of respect for sort of technical skill and technical skill that had been required through who you'd worked for. And someone would acknowledge the fact that you'd worked for this photographer and think, okay, well, he must know what he's doing. So therefore, I can trust him with this job. I don't necessarily think that's completely gone now. But I do feel like we are more than ever in the era of sort of self-publicity through social media. Yeah. So it seems like a lot of young photographers are more likely to get their breaks from uh, making a lot of noise on Instagram than necessarily kind of being, you know, technically the best at delivering a poster campaign. Absolutely. And it, it makes you think how much it's kind of changed and it's kind of, it's put, you know, poles apart from how you were describing your, your, your first break really, isn't it? Are you, what do you think about that? It's difficult because I think, uh, to tell you the truth, I don't know quite enough about the ins and outs of of where it is. It, it's more that that's more of a kind of a suspicion of the way things are. I think mm. that if you still, as a young photographer, rock up with an absolutely incredible website, a book that's 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 both technically beautiful but original, and uh, and and you know you you've got your own your very unclear view on the world that that comes through your work. I, you know, I've got, an, I, I believe that people will notice, and if you can get it in front of the right people, then you know, doors will open. Mm. But again, I just don't know if it's quite as uh, linear as it used to be. Like, I don't know if I don't think art buyers exist in quite the same way they used to. Mm. I don't think there's necessarily that kind of inbuilt system for nurturing young talent that may have been there before. Sure. Equally, I think yeah. that it's all, you know, if, if you know, if you happen to have the right contacts and know the right people, that probably puts you in pole position compared to those who don't. So in True. that respect, nothing, nothing's ever changed, I guess. Yeah. That's a really interesting way of looking. Yeah. 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 So, so, so once you had the studio share and you're in Bermondsey and how old were you roughly then? I was in my late twenties then. Living the high yeah, life no, no. in London, <laughs> your own studio, <laughs> cool photographer mates. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was just so exciting. And we just, I remember doing some really ambitious set builds. I did a, a, an accessories lookbook for Paul Smith and I wanted to do a really great set and I didn't have the budget for a set builder. So we basically built like the interior of a swimming, of a swimming pool, like a, a small, almost like a segment of a swimming pool in the studio with mdf and uh, mosaic and 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 panelled mosaic tiles amazing and I, think I, I, I might have spent like a week on it and working <laughs> through the night you know and it's just i just look back and i think that is insane like that client got so much for their money yeah right just because i <laughs> just because i wanted to do something that i knew i could use in its own right afterwards but yeah. in fact you know those shots did sort of stand the test of time and stayed in my book for a long time i think some, a couple of them might still leave me there right so I, I did have this kind of tendency to go over and above on production and try and do everything myself and you and not and, and sort of save money and build sets myself and do styling myself. When I look back on that, I can I, I can think of a lot of like lost days driving around Acton and driving to prop houses, <laughs> trying to find props that I probably could have found better, you know, in better places elsewhere. But mm. but yeah, you know, it, it was it, it it's amazing how how kind of um the lengths you'll go to I think when you're a bit younger to kind of um, to deliver the results, I think I'd look for I'd, I'd look for more pragmatic solutions nowadays. Yeah, but maybe that's why you know, maybe that's why you were head and shoulders above the rest. I remember seeing, do you know Clive Arrowsmith? 
Yes, I remember yes. seeing you know some of his work. Um, he's sort of before my time, but but um, I think he was also a painter. And um, you know, again, some of the sets were really lavish, and just having that, uh, having the vision to to sort of see that, and then and then realise it, you know, appeared to make him much more ahead of the game than some of his peers. So the same thing probably happened to you as well, I would think. I think that there's a there's something interesting about looking towards painting as inspiration, in the sense that rather than kind of flicking through you know google images or or looking on instagram or looking at uh, even looking in magazines at other say editorial shoots you might reference you know say a francis bacon painting or mm. um you know you might look at, at something that um like Cezanne did and think okay well i'll take a i'll take that as reference yeah rather than kind of you know, looking towards the same medium for inspiration. Sure, I think yeah. it can be re- it can it can be really useful. Yeah, yeah. So you had a great time by the look of it during the during the two thousands, really, from early two thousands all the way up to sort of more recently. You seem to have had a brilliant advertising career. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so it, it was. I kind of got in. I started mainly doing still life initially. And then that evolved into kind of fashion accessories. And then I got, I started to do a, a bit more beauty and kind of not like rarely was it sort of pure fashion. It was more kind of hands closer, accessories related, beauty and fashion. And then I got into, I, when I got involved in block, I started to do, do a lot more sports related uh, photography as well. And throughout all of that, there was a period of time where I was doing a lot of um, stock photography for Getty Images as right. another business. Right. So they would they would just be like insanely demanding shoots where you'd go for a day and try and come back with 50 images all in different parts of a location. Well, when I look back at that work now, I think, well, it was actually a lot of the shots would not, you know, are not really, don't really stand up in their own right. But as a kind of exercise in learning about production and how to shoot quickly and how to be adaptable it was really invaluable mm. because i think one of the one of the problems with being like a, a studio sort of advertising photography photographer is that if you just do that you become very brilliant at that but it also means that you're terrified to step outside of that <laughs> yes. into, a, into a, which is what we were discussing earlier before the podcast like this whole thing of the fear of what you haven't done mm. so I, i'd like to think now i'm quite good at sort of you know, hunkering down in the studio for you know quite an extensive still live shoot or going on location to an empty space and and, tr- and trying to make the most of a a location you know a, it hadn't been planned but also allowing the, the thing to evolve in its own right yeah and that's um that's growth anyway isn't it really from you know that's learning a new skill i've got you know a few friends who are photographers fantastic still life as you know, call me you know, with a petrified tone in their voice when they have to photograph a human being, you know, and, uh, and, and, <laughs> yes. and in fact, um, you know, it's, it's so, so great to, to become multidisciplined, isn't it? I'm much more the other way around. Uh, the, the world of still life somewhat scares me. But in these times of lockdown now, uh, near the barn in Norfolk, I've been walking a lot and, uh, and um, I actually, um, actually photographed some of the uh, items I sort of foraged from the wood the other day and uh, in a, mm. so I have to I'd love a critique from you please if possible I'll, I'll send you through a, uh, a picture and see if you can uh, judge my still life um, uh, abilities you know <laughs> yeah that'd be, I'd love to see that that'd be great I think I, th- I think it's a very a very rewarding kind of 
meditative process mm. if you get into it and if yeah. you can take the time to do it which is very difficult now because there's so many distractions during the day that you know to really kind of just shut the world out and focus on lighting something and making it look beautiful is 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 quite difficult yeah. but if you can find yeah. a way of doing it then then it's um it, it, it's it's a it's a really really beautiful process yeah and and i guess also with with the stock photography side of things that that you that you mentioned you know that that's that's another revenue stream almost isn't it it's a bit like feeding the beast you know you keep adding yeah. stuff in there and um you know to a, a couple running down the beach holding hands might sell or it might not or you know someone lying down shot from above you know reading a book might sell and that might not so it's just uh, uh it's another potential in, income stream is that what it was like for you Yes, although I never felt I was very good at it because I'd I'd never be able to kind of um, think in a purely subject-driven way. I'd always be thinking about the technique. And actually, the reality of stock photography is it is unfortunately a kind of very subject-driven marketplace where, you know, there's certain subjects that sell really well. And I think that sometimes if you try and reinvent the way these things are a shot it doesn't necessarily work in your favor mm. being overly stylized doesn't necessarily translate to to broad sales sure. so some of the more successful guys were clever enough to realize that and just stick with a, a certain style that that was that would work globally mm. that could that could seamlessly kind of um fit in any in any application mm. but yeah i, I was never I, I always sort of liked to use it as a as a way of exploring different techniques but it was certainly yeah while it lasted it was it was useful but there was a point when it just started to tail off as a business so i just gave it up at that point and yeah. just concentrated on new things yeah yeah which, yeah. which i which i look looking back was definitely the right move mm. yeah 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 it had its time shooting stock i think didn't it yeah definitely yeah, def- yeah. definitely uh, yeah i was going to say i think for me it was what what's come out of all of this is the process of doing sort of still life starting with doing painting and doing still life then leading into you know focusing on other subject matters mainly sort of beauty sports a bit of fashion i've come out with a certain technique which which is quite sort of clear and quite direct and quite sort of i guess it's um i guess the imagery the imagery stands out and, mm. and I, it's something which i can i can turn to any subject matter now quite quite easily which um which works well mm, yeah that really shows in your work absolutely yeah from the advertising work through to the latest imagery for blocks so i guess that's just the years and years of of um of shooting has really honed your style hasn't it you know made, made, yeah, you, made you the photographer you are now and um, you, you still have an agent now how's your relationship with your agent what's it like having an agent what, what's your view on having an agent generally and does it does it work really well for you yeah it does i, I think that I've got a really good relationship with my agent, um, Terry Manduka, because they've been always very supportive and always very good at getting me out there to a lot of different clients. Also being quite adaptable to, to briefs and situations so that, you know, I get, I get the job. And also since blocks come around, they've been quite accepting of the fact that my time's been split between the two businesses mm. and, you know, they've sort of seen the value of that and how it could benefit my work mm. where I think some other people might have just felt like they were being ignored because there were times when I just had to sort of, you know, focus on getting new sites open and 
dealing with all of those um, operational issues that come with that business. Mm. So they've, yeah, they've been very understanding about that and, and always supportive and always, um, you know, I always feel like I'm being represented in the right way. So I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm really happy with them. That's good. And and what about for people who are just coming up the ranks now? And, uh, you know, what would you say to them with regard to, to having an agent? Um, you know, people often ask, ask me that. And I often say that, you know, uh, it's really important that you have a vision of where you want to go. And it's a it's a it's a joint effort between you and the agent to get you there. You know, I think a lot of a lot of people seem to think an agent will just scoop you up from your world of indifference and maybe, um, you know, rebrand you and catapult you, you know, into into the spotlight. And I think that's not really the case, is it? Definitely not. In reality, most agents will will be able to sell you. And the product that you kind of create in, and develop in yourself, and they'll be able to work with you to to sort of shape and hone that product. But if you don't have your own sense of identity, then no one can help you with that. Mm. And also, I think it's a mistake to think that you need to stop promoting yourself when you have an agent, because often the connections that you make and the conversations you have are the things that actually lead to the work, mm. because someone you know, may meet you, they remember you, they know your face, they've seen your work, but it's that personal connection, which you sh- which uh, young photographers should never let go of, you know, you need to be out there networking and meeting people and, and being involved in, in whatever scene you, you want to be involved in. Yeah. I mean, that's not, you know, it's not always easy, because you might, if you're very, if you're lucky enough to be busy all the time, then you will be working in that world anyway. But there's just certain things that an agent can't do for you, and that is representing you personally to, to potential clients. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Maybe we could move on to to the transition to block now, and and um, you could tell me a little bit about that. So, well, tell us a bit about block. How many sites do you have now, and what is it? How do you describe it? Well, block is a class based gym, um, so people will come book into a class and attend the class classes at given times on a schedule. It's not the kind of gym where you just walk in, go and lift a load of weights and go. It's all, uh, it's all, they're all pre-scheduled classes. We've got 25 different class types covering everything from yoga to boxing to, um, you know, now breath, um, you know, breath classes and, and sound healing. So it's a very broad range of disciplines. We're very design focused. So, the, the the gyms don't look like your typical gyms they are very kind of refined art driven interiors and you know that we we appeal to an aesthetically aware audience tell me um, about and, it on arrival in yeah. in manchester <laughs> i was absolutely blown away i couldn't believe it the the level of detail the symmetry it was music to my ears i my own office is not quite as uh, perfectly arranged uh, but um but uh, but but i was so impressed by the aesthetic it's got such a it feels there's no stone left unturned the the level of detail that you have there is is, is epic that's that's all comes from you i presume does it my um i've got two business partners um, ed stanbury and, and rima stanbury um so ed comes from a construction background rima's more from a branding pr background and i'm obviously from a you know, a photographer creative background. Now, when we opened our first site in Clapton, we originally did not know what we were going to do with the site. We just knew Ed originally needed a space 
for his construction company to be based. There was a lot of extra space left over, which he needed to do something with. And we got together and we were talking about what we could do because it was the most amazing, an old Victorian tram depot in Clapton. Now, a unique building, you know, very high ceilings, steel pillars, just beautiful. But it was it was a complete shell. And we were originally going to create a photography studio um, with a with a set building workshop annexed onto it, which would double up as a workshop for his uh, his construction company, right. for cabinet making, panel spraying, that kind of thing. And the idea evolved into a class based gym because we was we'd sort of scoped the territory and we realised there was a bit of a gap in the market for uh, yoga in in Hackney generally, and certainly. The idea then came about of a place where sort of fitness meets art and design. So a, a gym that was very much orientated towards a creative audience and a kind of creative demographic. And that's when we started to really focus on the art angle. And I brought in a lot of the art references I was interested in to the original design process. So we've always worked with interior designers, but the, the brief has always had a very, you know, a very art driven focus and the materiality a very a very sort of industrial like a, a very industrial functional but beautiful aesthetic and yeah. we sort of developed that in Clapton and now that we and, and now we've extended it out to the site in Shoreditch and, and Manchester as well and I think that we've my input has always been one where I've just been relentless about the details I've always liked to see it from a sort of photographer's eye as in if I was photographing this room what would work for me great and that includes like looking up at the ceilings and seeing what's going on up there looking at the floors <laughs> looking at the corners looking looking at every angle not just the obvious ones yeah and it's a kind of combination of that with the functionality of a fitness space that that's that's been the the real challenge but the real driving kind of force behind what what is now the kind of block aesthetic mm. how nice for you then really because uh, when you explain it like that there's elements all the different parts of your career really that have gone on there yeah there really is and it's and it's i've always been fascinated by interiors and particularly sets so to be able to kind of like have put my input in on that and and certainly with materials palette as well and to be quite closely involved with the design and execution has has been such an incredible experience to and, and I've learned so much about how to deal with those those projects. Mm. It's very very challenging because you're you 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 want to get perfection, and to get perfection when you've got a budget with limited time, which you always have when you're doing these kind of when you're creating these sites, is is something you have to kind of find ways of navigating. And that's that was a big learning curve for me is learning when it's knowing when to let go. But to be fair, I think we've been pretty, with all of our sites, we've been pretty relentless with with our kind of desire to to keep those that quality. And when you get the final product, it it really shows, and people really feel it. And I think that even if people aren't necessarily visually trained people, they still feel it when they go in there, and they feel a sense of quality and kind of and sort of security when they're there. Absolutely, um, yeah. Which stays with them, you know. Yeah, it's a bit like going into an amazing hotel, like a unique hotel or a boutique hotel or something. And you just, you know, maybe breeze into the reception area and have a quiet seat on a chair and take it all in, you know, and, and, and it's a similar thing, I think, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think we, as, as a sort of 
as a gym business, we've always seen seen ourselves more closely aligned with restaurants and hotels in how we view our interiors. Mm. You know, we 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 want that experience to follow from the moment you walk in to the moment you leave to you know to what what happens in the changing rooms to to have the way the studios are. But again, it's that balance between the space that you're given, the space you can work with, the functionality of the space, and what you kind of add to create those real kind of highlight points mm, in yeah. people's experience you know yeah um, but we do you know we do work with with some fantastic um interior designers uh, lighting designers the interior design company's called day trip uh, lighting designer um there's light and it's a very collaborative process which you know is is the only way you can you can do these things i mean you you, you have to kind of there's a certain amount of detail you have to give over to the experts and then your our input kind of happens um happens in, in, in quite a measured way yeah it's a meeting of minds i guess isn't it it's everyone's bringing yeah. something to the table aren't they was it just a chance meeting with the other two that, that brought this about then or was it a, a concerted effort to think okay photography is still a large part of my life but there's a gap and i want something else or how, how did it happen well we had the opportunity with the space and then it 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 just kind of took its own, it took its own momentum. It's more a case of block kind of took over. Right. And that literally happened because it started as a small commitment and then grew into a larger commitment. The more deeper we got into it Hmm. to the point where we were so invested in it financially that we realized, hang on, this is serious now. So we've got to make it work. And I think it was just our natural characters to, to be perfectionists about it and to want to kind of, hone every aspect of the business from the interiors to the class structures to the website to the way we communicated with customers to to the branding and then before i knew it i realized that i was still doing photography but i was also creative director of of, of a brand and at that point it kind of made a lot of sense because you know when you become creative director of a, a brand it allows you to be involved in you know graphic design moving image interiors all sorts of other avenues open up within within the the, the kind of flow of work mm. so and you know and it got to the point where we, we did our first poster campaign and you know that was so i was involved in you know booking poster sites dealing with artwork shooting it art directing it the whole thing wow and yeah that that at that point it's like suddenly you're on the other side of the you're on the other side where you're a kind of client and creative at the same time. Yeah, but, amazing. Yeah. yeah, which is which is which you know I, re- I really I really enjoy, and it's it's given me a far. I feel like when I return back to doing, an an like a an advertising photography brief, I'm much better at seeing it from the client's perspective and and sort of understanding what their kind of what their concerns might be and having a lot more empathy for that process in a sense. Yeah, now that you've essentially been the client and and the photographer both at the same time, yeah. And with this, it's great to hear about this sort of growth. I think you know, two, one of two things can happen to a lot of people: either they, you know, their you know their work starts to peter out a bit, or maybe they rest on their laurels and get a little bit stagnant and slightly long in the tooth, or maybe something like this happens to them, where an opportunity just just kind of arises, and then through a lot of sheer hard work and possibly a tiny bit of luck and a lot of determination uh, some amazing things uh, sort of happen and I'm, I'm so interested and impressed by that do you get as much enjoyment from sort of your 
being uh, your being the creative director, wearing your creative director hat, I should say, as you do when you're doing a photography brief? I would say that ultimately you can't beat shooting and and doing and doing advertise doing an advertising shoot is there's something really special about that and and dealing with kind of you know creatives at a high level and being art directed you know I I do find that hard to beat but I think that when I look at the brand that we've created with Block and when I look at the you know the level to which we've got that brand and the recognition that we've got and the totality of it is something that I'm probably you know, more proud of than, than my own career Amazing. as a photographer. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Because I feel like it's, it's, you know, we're, we're getting such a, we're getting such a broad reach with it and impacting people's lives in such a positive way through fitness. Mm. It, it actually meet to me means, means more. Sure. But equally yeah. I'm now finding it difficult to sort of separate the two careers. <laughs> I sort of see them all as, as one and I'm just doing different things each day. And there might be a point where I step back more from from block and and concentrate more on just step out from the creative direction more and concentrate more just on content creation. Right. And I think that would be interesting just to be doing pure the purely sort of content side of it rather than the overall creative direction. I mean, there's certainly people who we've got working in the company who are becoming very, very capable of of, of taking on more that role. Mm. So I think in the end I'd like to, I'd love to go back to just just shooting yeah but you know having got the brand to a point well i mean it never really stops but for example now with everything that's happened with lockdown our sites aren't functioning so we're moving more into a digital fitness platform which involves a lot more on video on demand content live classes it's a whole new it's a whole new set of rules and kind of a whole new set of opportunities that have emerged so that's now becoming a bigger part of the business and sure. you know and if if anything positive comes out of out of this for us it'll be the fact that we've developed that side of the business while the other one uh, was unable to function so yeah I, I guess it'll just carry on and on and yeah. uh, and, and 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 evolve and just keep evolving you know mm. it's great isn't it really that you're now a yeah you're a co-business owner as well as a photographer you know you you have the two you know, the two strands and the way that those two have mixed together of, uh, you know, in fact, the next question on my little list I wanted to ask is, uh, what's your idea of a well-rounded <laughs> life? And uh, do you think that's, you know, would you say you live a well-rounded life now? I would say I definitely don't lead a, a well-rounded life at all. Oh, really? I that I'm, I, I, no, no, no. Well, Why I not? say that, I mean, not not in the traditional sense. Like, I rarely go on holiday. Oh, right. I rarely take a day off. I just work all the time. Oh, you're a workaholic. I'm a workaholic, yeah. So I, I work constantly. But what I do tend to, what I am really into is, is fitness. And I tend to do a lot of a lot of exercise and fitness classes and myself. And I find that that is where I get my kind of release and I get my break. And then I just tend to plow on with work because literally the thing with running two businesses is it, 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 it is effectively double the amount of work. Mm. I've never been a brilliant delegator, so I've got myself to blame. But <laughs> I think I'm a lot. I think one thing I'm a long way from is a, a well-rounded life where really? I sort of make sure I take time off. Yeah, definitely. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of get, getting a bit better at it, but yeah, I'm quite, I'm famed for just working constantly and always always been available on the phone at any time to but having said that that's part of what happens when you're involved in a in a business that runs from 6 30 in the morning till 10 at night sure. you know five days a week and then slightly shorter hours on the weekend but it means that that you know you have to you, 
it, it, it again it's got a it's got better now because we've got a bigger team of staff but over the last four years it's it's been pretty relentless mm. so yeah y- y- you have to just find ways of uh, making the most of the time yeah that you've got off you know yeah definitely yeah and moving forward then what, what would things look like ideally if we were to look forward a few years as it, are you are there bigger plans for block and maybe you might take a holiday or you know will you always be um <laughs> will you always be a, a part of block do you think yeah absolutely i think that I, I want us to see i want to see us open more sites over the next um you know three or four years so that we're we're a bigger operation and i'd like to see us develop our the digital side of what we do into so that we encompass you know we become a broader kind of lifestyle brand that really links kind of you know fashion retail art and design editorial you know into a sort of quite a unique pass package that people can users for as well as accessing fitness sure and in terms of my own role i'd always want to retain the sort of creative overview of the business but it would be nice to become more direct as i said before become more, you know more focus on just content production photography film and uh, and you know lead towards you know having a, a i'd love to have an exhibition in the end of my work and 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 but somehow tie that in with the with with block as well because yeah, the art definitely. side of things is something we're we're trying to get really you know we want to get more artists exhibiting in the space you know mm. use block as a catalyst for creativity in so many other ways but yeah I, I never see myself kind of stepping away from from my role my role as kind of as a sort of creative overseer of the business because mm. I just mm. find it too interesting and I think it's too exciting. Yeah. Well, you've you've made something amazing, and, and and it's constantly evolving, and so it's only natural, I guess, that you're going to want to always be a part of it, isn't it? Just yeah, back absolutely. to photography for a moment. What's yes. your sort of view on the state of the industry at the moment? Really, big question. But it's really hard to say because I sometimes feel like I'm in a bit of a bubble in my own world, and I don't communicate with enough other photographers to to really get a good overview on what's going on. But I think that it seems to me that being able to do a number of different things well is a huge bonus so if mm. the more photographers get involved in moving image the better i mean that's been going that way for quite a while but it seems as though you know to be able to offer the whole you know the ability to deliver a, a suite of, of assets across a whole range of media seems to be of a huge benefit i do Indeed. think that social media is obviously playing and celebrity is play, playing a bigger and bigger part in things not necessarily being a celebrity photographer, but the more as a photographer you are linked to celebrity, that seems to kind of be a catalyst for people's careers going one way or another. I do feel though that if you remain, a, if you can ret- retain your ability to be a real specialist and an expert in a field and just stick with that through thick and thin and try not to get too diverted by what other people are doing, that has to pay dividends in the end. But it's, mm. it's, you know, to not be too sort of governed by the winds of change. I've always believed that that, that, can, that can work for people if they've got the talent to back it up. Yeah. But the industry itself, I mean, it seems to be more sort of fractured and, and non-cohesive as it's ever been. It feels like everyone's working in different areas on different angles. And, and you know, the more sort of adaptable and fluid people are, the, the, the more prolific they tend to be mm. 
Yeah. And and social media, I mean, with regard to uh, obviously it's, it's a massive part of the block business. But um, what about from a photography point of view or from from your photography point of view? Do, 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 what's your take on social media or social media and photography? Well, on a personal level, I mean, I'm pretty I'm pretty bad on Instagram. I, I've, I've never kind of um, I just regularly update my feed with with images that I like and I don't really actively kind of engage with it as a business tool as much as I probably should. Sure. I do see it, you know, more with block. The value of strong imagery is huge on social. And, you know, if you can if you can create sort of thumb stopping imagery, it does it does work. But equally, so much of it is to do with your ability, you know, or who you employ to do your your to do your social media spend and how and, and how clever they are will determine how successful you are on social media to, to a large extent because it's such a heavily controlled algorithm that, you know, it's not just a case of putting great stuff out there and people picking up on it. It's, 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 how, it's how it's managed as a business. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So powerful. Yeah. So, you know, it's like budget is required to, in, order to, in order to make an impact as a, as a business on social media. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I was really struck by the by the moving image element on the block site. It's so so dynamic and kind of arresting. Um, just lots of uh, squares of, of video content. It just mm. it really struck me when I was looking at it this morning. You know, it's just so much more engaging than a than a still. What's your personal view on moving image? I know we touched on it a bit, but are you dabbling yourself in some of the stuff you're doing? Are you personally making any video content for the block site or for other projects? I mean, but on a personal level, I've not excessively. I mean, I'll, I can I can use I can use an SLR and and record film mm. on that level. But all of the content that we see on Block, I've you know found found a filmmaker and sort of creatively directed what they do to kind of get the results that we've got. And I'm I'm happy doing that because I think that I'm not really kind of driven towards learning that new skill set i'd rather mm. you know harness other people's like energy and talent to to and direct and, and direct it to where we need it to be and work as a kind of creative producer so all of the films that we see on the block instagram you know i'll, I'll have kind of art directed or creatively produced them to to a greater or lesser degree and i get very involved now in the editing and the sound design and the grading so all those skills come into play and I'm starting to get a far better understanding of what makes a good edit, how to judge pace, you know, what what cuts what cuts are going to work where and how to sort of deal with sound and audio as well. So yeah, that's enough for me to be dealing with as far as I'm concerned is to be sort of there overseeing the entire process. I'd love to I'd love to get involved more with making film myself, but I I'm in a I'm in a quite a lucky position in that we can um employ filmmakers to you know to come on board and to make things happen and they've got their pre-existing crews and you know they're, they're so good at what they do I, I i couldn't even come close to that at this stage so um it, it's lovely to be able to just learn from them really which is a brilliant take on it to uh, to consider really um in terms of rather than going down the rabbit hole of um getting kind of knee deep into final cut pro or yeah or adobe premiere or something like that it makes much more sense that you're you know you're one step back creatively overseeing it and using essentially a dop you know to capture the amazing footage that that really makes sense yeah it's a bit like um it gets to the point i mean it's it's not quite the same but as a photographer there's a point where there was a point where i stopped doing my own retouching i was doing it quite extensively for a while and i thought no i I need to 
step back from doing that so I can concentrate on taking the photos. And I kind of see the film in, in a similar way now in that I've got such a good overview of the brand and what we're trying to create. And, and I've got such a good idea of what works for, for our brand um, and for the fitness classes and for the uh, which of our instructors, you know, kind of are, are going to be the, the really good performers for the pieces mm. and the overall kind of aesthetic direction. It does seem to, I'm best concentrating on that. Yeah. 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 You might even pick up a sportswear campaign, albeit mm. stills or moving image off the back of the, the work that you've creatively directed for Block, might you not? Well, this is my next thing that I do need to do is to try and at the moment, like there's if if someone goes to my website, they just they're just seeing a small kind of what is a relatively sort of not small, but it's a it's a limited window onto my skill set as it stands now. So I need to find a way of of showing people that so I can say, you know, if you come to me, I can do the stills, I can get a film mm. through. We can do the moving image. We can you, you can have me as giving you an overview of the entire campaign, how it relates to your brand. I think that, that that's my next step is to try and use all the skills that I've learned and that I'm learning all the time from Block and translate it into my own sort of commercial work or, yeah. or to the acquisition of commercial work, you know? Yeah, definitely. Maybe, first of all, you need to shoehorn a few more hours in the day because it sounds like you're pretty busy at this stage. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It doesn't, really, it doesn't really stop even even during lockdown. It seems like we're busier than ever now because... Um, really? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, we're trying to create this new digital platform which, which, has got, which we're looking to launch in the next two and a half weeks, which is called Block TV. Wow. So, yeah, there's a lot of work that's gone into that and, and that's got to all come together. But, yeah, we've got a great team working on it so um, and it's amazing how you can work quite effectively remotely through google hangouts or or you know in the way that we are now it's it's mm. some, some sometimes it can focus people's minds and make them a little bit more efficient rather than everyone you know rather than people being face to face so yeah, yeah definitely it, yeah, it is definitely. interesting it's interesting how it changes uh, changes your views on on how people work together definitely Mm, totally are you doing anything to keep sane in these crazy times are you have you been pretty affected like you think mentally by the lockdown and everything that's happened or is all of the i guess maybe you haven't had chance to slow down enough because of the the block tv thing i think i'm quite lucky because i've got i've got a, i live in a photo studio which is in in dalston in hackney so it's quite a big space with a yard which means i've got i've got the sense of space there and then I'm able to go to the gyms and sort of work out in an empty studio, which mm. for me, like I can kind of safely go back and forth between these different places and, and, and have a sense of space. Cause for me, that would be the worst thing would be not having any, if I, if to feel claustrophobic is probably the worst kind of feeling. And that's something that mm. I think I really feel for people who are in that position where they're in a very small contained space without much natural light if you've got space and light and you know the things around you that you need to to work and create i think i'd have no reason to to sort of um be anything other than, than grateful for that so i'm just trying to make the most of it and uh, and right. obviously I, I i think for me it's just doing exercise maybe you know twice a day and going for a run and doing all these things that just keep keep breaking the day up yeah that 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 you know keep the routine going i think I, I think it's just important to maintain that routine like getting you know and, and not varying 
it too much from what you would do originally. That's that's the key mm, to staying sure. sane during lockdown. Sort of add a modicum of normality to everything in these crazy times. Yeah, exactly. And, and it certainly is strange. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, though, like just, you know, when I've moved from, you know, across London, just seeing the empty city and seeing seeing how different it is, you do think that it will, if nothing else, it will be memorable. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and um, it, 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 obviously the first thing you want to do is go out with a camera and start recording what's happening out there. But, um, but yeah, it's not quite as straightforward as that. But these, these empty cities, you know, it, it, it is fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the imagery I've seen is, is, is amazing. Yeah, definitely. Just in terms of a parting note to the audience of the podcast, is there anything you'd like to say to people who are listening? There'll be creatives and up and coming photographers and other people who've been very interested to hear about your story. But what would you like to leave them with, if anything? I think that if you are serious about being a you know photographer, filmmaker, artist, writer it's just so important to keep going and keep working and keep being prolific with what you do and keep producing all the time and to, to sort of be able to, to work through those blocks that you might have. And, and particularly sort of for, to photography assistants, I, I think that it's so important to just keep shooting and to use any, any opportunity you can and any resources you've got from people you know to make the work happen and to not feel like you're stuck in a rut because it's activity really that produces work and it may not always be the right route to go down, but you, you find, I think that you find your route through work and you find your route and your style through just relentlessly pursuing the direction that you've set. Mm. So yeah, just, you know, keep at it, keep working, work through the blockages and, and, and always sort of uh, stay positive about what you do and, um, and be prolific would be my main advice. Great. Yeah. Great advice. Absolutely. You're going to, the more you do, the more you learn, as you say, that navigates your path. If people want to learn more about you, where should they go in terms of websites or social? And we'll put all the links in the show notes. Well, my uh, my current website is uh, maxoppenheim.com and I'm on Instagram at at maxoppenheim. And at the moment, that's the, uh, they're the best, uh, the best sources of information. Great. And, and there's also my agent's website, uh, terrymanduka.co.uk, T-E-R-R-I-M-A-N-D-U-C-A.co.uk. And there's more work there and lots of other great photographers as well. Great. Well, Max, I really appreciate you taking the time amongst your uh, crazy breakneck schedule to uh, to chat virtually over the airways uh, with me. It's really, really interesting to connect with you. As I said, walking into that amazing space in Manchester made me seek you out. And then when I found out you were a photographer, I thought I've got to get him on the show. But it's been so interesting to hear everything about your career to date. And uh, I'm sure we're going to see uh, a lot more exciting things to come from you in the months and years to come. So Thank you very much. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Dan. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Well, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Max. What an interesting guy. If you want to know more about Max, his website is maxoppenheim.com and he's on Instagram at maxoppenheim, O-P-P-E-N-H-E-I-M for mother. Block is a design-led gym with two sites in London, one in Manchester and a new digital fitness platform, which is block-tv.com. So thanks again for listening. I've got a freebie for you. Uh, If you haven't seen it yet, it's uh, dankennedyworkshops.com forward slash freebie. That's if you'd like to see how I colour grade some of my magazine cover shoots. 
for any colour nerds out there. <laughs> Check out the workshop site too, which is dankennedyworkshops.com if you're interested in learning more about up-and-coming workshops that I'm doing and also the mentoring scheme that I run. So look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you.